All right. Um, turn with me to Genesis 32, starting at verse 22. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two female servants, and he put the servants with their children in front, then Leah with her children, and Rachel and Joseph last of all. He himself went on before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came nearer to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And when Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children, he said, Who are these with you? Jacob said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the servants drew near they and their children, and bowed down. Leah likewise and her children drew near and bowed down. And last, Joseph and Rachel drew near, and they bowed down. Esau said, What do you mean by all this company that I met? Jacob answered, To find favour in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, no, please, if I have found favour in your sight, then accept my present from my hand. For I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. Please accept my blessing that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. Thus he urged him, and he took it. This will be the last of the Jacob's series. 
the title is Blessing of a Faith. This title is taken from uh, a novel written by C.S. Lewis, Till We Have Faces. This novel uses the life of a woman who was born ugly, really ugly, as an illustration. As an illustration. She was a princess who would eventually become a good king because of her ugly look. When she was young, and before she, got, uh, she, she never got married because she's too ugly, um, when she needed to come to before her own father, the king, she needed to cover her face. Um, and that's how ugly she, she was. Um, there's a lot in that novel, even though it's a short novel. I like it. It's hard to read, but I like reading it. Every time I write it, I learn something. And this novel describes the struggles in our hearts, our longing for acceptance. Uh, most of us know that we are not attractive to others, even though we hope we, we would be. But deep in our heart, we know that we are not. And we sometimes fear get, getting too close to people because we don't, do not want to reveal our weakness or weakness. So in order to be accepted, we need to cover up ourselves. We cover up with uh, makeups or clothing, expressions, or achievements, jokes, or sacrifices. The word faith in Hebrew is pinin, appears about 20 times in Genesis 32 and 33, if you, if you read it in Hebrew. Today, in sharing Jacob's struggle with having a faith, I hope we can see our own struggle for faces. Uh, we shall pray before we start. Father, we can come before you as you are the judge of our secrets. We can come before you and talk about your word and listen to you and sing to you. So because of your grace, and we ask that you might help us through this uh, portion of your word, that we will see the Lord Jesus Christ in a clearer way and come before you with an open heart, with open hearts, knowing that you do see our secrets and we have nowhere to hide. And we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. May you bless us as we uh, uh, go through this uh, sermon. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So the word faith has two major meanings. One is our physical appearance, and one, the other is our identity, our significance, our self-worth. They are related because we consider the more attractive a person's physical appearance is, the more worthy uh, of that person getting admiration. And that's why the faith has got these two meanings. In, in Chinese language, there are actually two words for these two meanings of faith. Uh, for appearance, is nian, means the physical appearance. Mian means the self-worth, the, self, uh, the significance or honor of a person. To a Chinese person, mean is very important in life, maybe most important. It represents not only the honor of the person, but also his family, his clan, clan his uh, people. That was why China was so offended when Australian government pushed for the investigation of COVID-19. 
it was a vote of no confidence in the way Chinese government handled the pandemic. In China itself, many Chinese people were not happy with their own government as well in terms of how they handled the pandemic. But they now stood behind the government because the face of the whole country is being threatened by a foreign country. And to the Chinese, they would rather not to have Australian beef or milk or coal, but they can't lose their face. And that's so how important the face is. And this, this uh, thing is not going to go away until either Australian government backs down and apologize or until this generation of leaders die out and the new generation come, come, come out. So this would be a long ongoing uh, saga in terms of this uh, di diplomacy, diplomatic uh, problem. And that is how face is so important. And, and you can see the Chinese government just responded disproportionately with the, all the extreme uh, measures that they are using at the moment. Today, we come to a turning point in Jacob's life. Since he was young, Jacob wanted to have a face for himself. He wanted respect from his father, his brother, and now as he's working with his uncle, he wanted respect from the uncle and the brothers. That's why he worked very hard. He, he wanted to prove that he's, he's worthy of the respect. He wanted to accumulate as much wealth as possible. However, the wealthier he, he became, the more hostile his uncle and cousins were towards him. In the Bible, actually, it tells, says that their face turned against him uh, because they, they thought that, or they considered uh, Jacob taking all the wealth from the family. Uh, but Jacob did not dare to, to leave uh, the place because he knew that the uncle would not let him go or the family go. Uh, because Laban knew that it, it was only through Jacob that he became so wealthy as, too. He knew that God was with Jacob. So as time dragged on, after when 20 years came, God told Jacob to go home. Jacob didn't know how to go home. He just did what he knew best. So he fled, just like when he first did, when he left home. And he didn't tell his, his uh, father-in-law or his uncle. And so he took his family, all his possessions, and left. Naban was somewhere else at that time. Only, it took three days before Naban knew about it. And Naban was very, very angry. And he took all his men to chase after them and caught up with them, uh, Jacob in seven days. In Genesis 31, 43 to 44, which we didn't read, uh, Laban said to Jacob, the daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day for these my daughters or for their children whom they have born? Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. Laban said this to Jacob after he failed to find his idol, which he accused Jacob of stealing. So when he was chasing Jacob, and when he caught up with Jacob, Jacob asked, why you chase after us? His first, uh, Laban's first excuse was that you stole my idol. My idol got missing. So Jacob said, well, you, you can search. Anybody who's found to have their idol will be put to death. Actually, Rachel, uh, Jacob's beloved 
why wow, did steal that idol? We we are not told why she did that. Maybe the she thought the idol was uh, the the fact the 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 uh, the god that blessed them, or maybe he, she she knew that his father liked that idol very much, and she just wanted to uh, took it away from the father because he she hated the father. I'm not we are not sure why, but she stole it. But when when she heard that Jacob said the one who was found to have it will be put to death, she, she, she hit it under her seat. And that's why Laban couldn't find it. And after she, he couldn't find it, Laban said what I just read to you to Jacob. Uh, instead of apologizing to Jacob, say, sorry, I, 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 yeah, I uh, accused you wrongly. So he didn't. He, he basically said that in fact, Jacob, whatever you have now are all mine. You have stolen them all from me. In a way, it could be true because when Jacob went to Naivan, he, he, he had nothing just by himself. Now he had lots and lots of animals, servants and family. Uh, but on the other hand, Naivan also himself became very rich because of Jacob. And he forgot that and just considered all that Jacob had was uh, his. Um, Laban could not apologize because he needed to protect his face. He couldn't do that in front of his people to maintain the respect from others. When Jacob was fleeing from his brother Esau 20 years ago, God appeared to him and Jacob made a pile of stones to mark the place where God gave him a promise. God promised Jacob that he would be with Jacob and would bring him back to, to that land and a great nation will come from him and in him and his offspring, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God's promise to Jacob was one-sided. Jacob did not need to contribute anything to that promise. And now on his way back to his homeland, Jacob made another pile of stones, this time at the request of Laban. Laban wanted to have covenant with Jacob because Laban feared Jacob because Laban knew that God was with Jacob. And then God did warn Laban the night before to, not to harm uh, Jacob. And Laban being a cunning person, he didn't want Jacob to come back to take revenge on him he went, uh, later. And that's why he said, let us make this covenant together. Well, Jacob didn't actually need to agree with that. He, he didn't need to... Um, do anything. I mean, for, for Laban, he had done enough. But to give Laban faith, he did that uh, covenant with Laban. And that power stone marked the uh, separation of Jacob and Laban, or the separation of Jacob from the world. So for 20 years, they lived and worked together. Laban, who was being bullied by Laban, had become more godly. And Laban, who was the bully, who, the bully had become more and more self-centered. So Jacob finally completed his training under the operation of Laban. But in today's story, Jacob is about to face a much greater challenge. So as Jacob and his family went toward Jacob's homeland, the angels of God met him, and this gave Jacob some encouragement to keep going knowing that God was with him. 
He sent messengers ahead of him to inform Esau that he was coming back. The messenger returned to tell Jacob that Esau was coming to meet him with 400 men. And at that point, Jacob lost his courage. The Bible said he was greatly afraid and distressed. Why would Esau take 400 men with him? I mean, the conclusion is uh, Esau wants to revenge. And so uh, in response to his fear, he divided his people and flocks into two camps, hoping that at least one of the camps would survive Esau's attack. And he prepared three groups of gifts for Esau. They are lavish gifts of possibly more than 1,000 animals, most of his possessions maybe. At the same time, he also prayed, and we, we read that in the Bible. And when we read his, read his prayer, then we could see that Jacob has matured. Because when he, when, because when he prayed, he prayed according to God's promise, no longer pray according to his own thinking. And that is a sign of uh, a maturity. But then why was uh, Jacob so afraid? Did God not promise him that God would be with him? Did he, did he forget that the two camps of angels were with him? Did he not trust God? I think the answer is not because Jacob had not grown in his knowledge of God. It, it was exactly because he knew God better now. One of the consequences of knowing God for Jacob was knowing his own sinfulness. 20 years ago, he would not have thought twice about cheating Esau or his father Isaac. Now, his deception has become a thorn in his heart. He feared that. He feared that he feared, uh, Esau may kill him. He feared the loss of his families, his people, his properties. But what he feared the most is to face Esau. He did not have a face to see Esau. When he stole Esau's blessing, all he wanted was to become significant and secure through the blessing. Now that he knew the God who is behind the blessing, he realized that no blessing could make him significant and secure if he, he was under the judgment of God. He was afraid of Esau, not so much because he did not trust God, but because he understood that God was the judge of all the earth. How could he expect the righteous God to help him to face Esau when he was the party who was at fault. As the distance between Esau and him was decreasing, Jacob's guilt and fear was increasing. Jacob did not know how to face Esau. He sent the first camp ahead of them. At the same night, he was planning to cross the river with his family in, dark, in the darkness, but he could not make himself cross the river. He told his family to walk ahead while he stayed on this side of the river to gather his courage. This day became a whole night of wrestling for him. God came to wrestle with Jacob until the breaking of the day. Jacob might not know who he was wrestling with at the beginning. As he wrestled on, he found that his opponent was not there to defeat him, but just to wrestle with him. And what is going on here? The Bible did not, does not explain it clear for us. I will try to explain what's, what's going on in Jacob's heart. With the physical wrestling, Jacob was also having spiritual wrestling with his guilt. 
his fear and his identity. At the beginning, Jacob would try to justify himself. He's, he would think, Esau was the one who, who sold me his birthright. Am I not the rightful owner of the blessing? Or he might think, my father was partial in his love. It was his fault that I deceived him. Then Jacob would think of all the criticisms he had towards his father and, and brother. He also thought of the many times he took his mother's love for granted. He thought of the many times he considered himself a better person than others. He tried to justify his views about others and himself, but his opponent kept bringing up memories of his double standards towards others and himself. After a night of wrestling, Jacob began to despair, seeing how wicked and weak he was. He could not even face Esau. How could he face God, the judge of all the earth? How could he be the one who would bring God's blessing to other people? He was sinking into the darkness of his hopelessness when God interrupted his thoughts by dislocating one of his hip joints. The sudden jolt of pain woke Jacob up and directed his attention to the one who was wrestling with him. His opponent could cripple him so effortlessly, he could have easily subdued Jacob from the start. Jacob realized that he was facing someone who was far greater and nobler than he could ever was. Jacob was like a drowning man who suddenly realized that the person who was wrestling with him was trying to rescue him. He held onto this person with all his strength and he begged for blessing. This time, Jacob was not thinking about being successful. He was asking for acceptance. He was asking for purity. He was asking for forgiveness. God asked him, what is your name? Jacob answered with his head bowed low, I'm Jacob. I'm a deceiver. I do not have a face to see you. God said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, because you have gone through struggles with man and with God, and you have learned from these struggles. What have uh, Jacob learned? He will have learned at least four things, I think. He will have learned that winning at the expense of kindness and goodness would turn him into someone like his uncle or father-in-law, Laban. He would have learned that even if he could win the whole world, he would still not find rest in his heart. And he would learn that he was not that clever or good after all. And he would have learned that God who promised to be with him was trustworthy and good. So in a sense, in a sense God was telling Jacob, so long as you think you are right and want to justify yourself, so long as you always want to save your own face, you will remain Jacob. The moment you confess that you do not have any good in you and you do not have any face to save and that God is the one who can justify you, your Israel. Jacob asked God, please tell me your name. God said, did I not just tell you that you have striven with God? Why do you ask my name? I am who I am. I define all things. I define you. You do not define me. Nothing can define me. And there God blessed him, 
So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, Peniel, face of God, Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his, of his hip. Twenty years ago, when, the, when he was fleeing from his brother Esau, the sun set on him, and God appeared for, to him for the first time. Now the sun rose upon him. Jacob was no longer Jacob. He was Israel. He had seen God face to face and was accepted by God. God had crippled him. He could not run away from Esau now. But Jacob was free. He was free from self-reliance. He was free from self-justification. God had justified him. God had given him a face. Jacob was so free that he could laugh all his way to face Esau and his 400 men. So that was my poor attempt to give you an idea what's, what's going on in Jacob's heart during the wrestling. You may ask, why did Jacob not tell us what happened? I think there are two important reasons why Jacob did not tell others what happened. Reason number one, deep experiences cannot be expressed in words. Like the psalmist, we can only use songs and music to try to express such experiences. So, the, the moment we try to express something deep in words, it will make it less uh, significant or less so. Just like God forbid Israelites to make image of him. Because the moment we make an image of God, it will misrepresent God. So if we try to, try to share what we have experienced, we could never share it fully. Or, uh, so there's one reason some experiences just cannot be expressed in words. Secondly, deep experiences do not need to be expressed. We may, need, we may like to tell people about our encounters with God, usually with the intention to gain faith for ourselves. In this experience, Jacob was given a faith by God, so he therefore did not need to boast about this to other people. And you will find that in the Old Testament, particularly when uh, the story is written about people, they, they usually write about all the uh, foolish things or the wrong thing that they did. Very seldom that is mentioned about godly things uh, because they would not want to, if they tell the story, they would only tell people how, how foolish or bad they were. They would not want to uh, tell people how good they were this because they have met God, these people. How, how do we know Jacob had a life-changing experience with God? There are also two reasons. First one is his response to the encounter. Second one is the subsequent change in his behavior. Jacob did not quite understand why he was still alive after he saw God face to face. Jacob must have seen the Holy God for him to wonder why he was still alive. When the prophet Isaiah saw God, he said, Woe is me, for I am gone, for I am a man of unclean lips. This is the appropriate response when a sinner face, faces the holy God, that is knowing his own unworthiness. So this is the response of someone who has seen God, knowing that he's not worthy to, to keep living uh, in front of the holy God. And we will see 
Jacob's change in behavior and his meeting up with his brother Esau. As Jacob saw his brother Esau approaching with 400 men, he walked to the front of his family. He did not hide behind his family, family anymore. He faced Esau and his men himself. He bowed himself to the ground seven times. What was Jacob doing? He was returning the blessing he stole from Esau. He gave Esau his wealth and honor, which were promised in the blessing that Jacob stole. Going back to Genesis 32, 20, we will see that, you will see what Jacob was thinking with all his gifts. In, in Genesis 22, uh, 32, sorry, 32 verse 20, he says, for he thought, I might appease him with the present that goes ahead of me, and afterwards I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. The literal translation of this verse is, for he thought, I will wipe the anger from his face with the gift that goes ahead of my face. Afterwards, when I see his face, perhaps he will lift up my face. So there are four faces in that same verse. Uh, but to make it easier to understand the translator, just, uh, just translated one of the face, faces in the English. So before wrestling with God, Jacob was hoping that his gift would turn Esau's angry face into an acceptance, accepting face, so that he might have a face to stand before Esau. Now, he was not only giving Esau his wealth, he was giving Esau his face as well. As he bowed before Esau seven times in front of his own people and Esau's people. So that is a very big deal. Uh, is giving wealth is something really difficult. Giving your honor to someone that you don't actually like uh, is another thing. Uh, it's, it's a sign that uh, Jacob repented, said that he, he shouldn't have stolen the, the blessing, and he gave this honor back to Esau. Esau might have expected Jacob to boast about his wealth and power, but he did not expect Jacob would bow before him. Esau ran and embraced Jacob, and they wept together. By God's grace, the hatred between these two brothers melted away in their tears, those are those were tears of regret, tears of relief, tears of sorrow, tears of joy. There's, there's so much in that itself that covers all their lives until that point. So after that, Esau wanted to decline Jacob's gift, saying that he himself had enough to live on. Jacob said this was the blessing that should have been Esau's. He said God has dwelt uh, at to dwell graciously with him, and he had enough. No, actually, Jacob did not say he had enough, even though the translation was that he had enough in chapter 33, verse 11. In Hebrews, Esau said he had enough, that's Rab, R-A-B, but Jacob said he had everything, call, K-O-L. This is the freedom of someone who has been given a face by God. Jacob did not care if Esau took his properties, his reputation, even his life, because he had been accepted by God. And so Jacob said, I have everything. 
even though he was actually giving Esau almost all of his properties in, in returning sort of the, for the, the, the blessing that he stole. Galatians 6 verses 14 to 16, the apostle Paul said, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Paul took pride in his pedigree as a pure Jew. He took pride in his achievement as a Pharisee. He persecuted the church at the beginning because he wanted to show his religious zeal and also because his boast in his pedigree and achievement was threatened by the cross. The message of the cross says that while our pedigree and achievements may impress the world, they do not impress God. The more you try to save your face before God, the more you display your pride. The message of the cross says that Jesus Christ has done all that is required for God to give you a faith. When God understood, when Paul understood the message of the cross, he said he counted all his pedigree and achievements as rubbish because he had been given a faith in Christ. He parted with the world in the cross. The cross be became a pile of stones in which reminds Paul he's being accepted by God and, um, and also to mark the parting of his worldly life and him being a new creation. Paul said that those who boast in their achievement will not find peace and mercy. Only those who boast in the cross of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ will find peace and mercy. And those who boast in the cross are the true Israel of God, not those who were born as Jews. Would you look at the Lord Jesus Christ as Paul had done? The Bible does not tell us much about Jesus' physical appearance, but it tells us a lot about Jesus' identity and significance. In John 1, 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We have seen his face as, as Jesus wrestled with God before he went to the cross to face the wrath of God. He was wrestling like Jacob, who was facing the judgment of God. But he was not wrestling because of his own sin. He was wrestling because of my sin and your sin. He suffered the judgment of God and went through death so that we might be given a face to stand before God. So that what is waiting for us on the other side of the river is no longer judgment, but acceptance. Would you look at the Lord Jesus Christ? May God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, shine in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the hope that we have through your word. When we struggle in the darkness, the darkness of our hearts, we thank you for struggling with us and coming to show us the light in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
oh, help us to trust in him and look upon him and to know the grace that is awaiting us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.